Welcome, everyone, to your WandaVision podcast by Fantastic Geek, the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. Is that my host behind me? The WandaVision podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode one is brought to you by the all-new Toastmate 2000 by Stark Industries, the go-to for the clever housewife. If you are a longtime Fantastic Geek listener, finally, Phase 4 has arrived. If you're a new listener, welcome. We podcast geeky goodness like Marvel, Star Wars, Star Trek, and more. Indeed, Pete, uh, amidst all of the former Marvel television division, uh, how many podcasts podcasted everything from Marvel TV? We are it, Matt. Exclusive in that we are the only podcast that has brought you Every single episode of the 375-ish hours of Marvel TV, now onto Marvel Studios TV, and so excited to yakety yak about this episode today. Indeed, Pete, we are, of course, recording this on launch day for WandaVision, focusing on this outing just on episode one. Pete, what's our schedule going to be moving forward? So we will be podcasting on Scarlet Sundays. We're going to be bringing you episode two on Sunday, January 17th. The show will air from here on out just one every Friday. Don't get so used to getting two here at the start like we did. We're lucky that we got both together, whereas Mandalorian, when it dropped its uh, premiere episode, didn't follow up until uh, three days later. So uh, episode three, which I've had the opportunity to see early um, through the the press route, will stream uh, next week. We'll stream a week from today. That would be Friday, uh, January 22nd. And then we'll be bringing you uh, episodes on Sundays, and that will go all the way until March 5th with the season finale. There'll be a week in between. We, of course, will bring you a uh, wrap for uh, the season, for the series of WandaVision. Get you right into Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which starts streaming on Disney Plus Friday, March 19th, to be followed by Loki in may so so happy to be back marvel cinematic universe we went without a film for the first time since 2009 last year matt overdue and just uh it's time baby here's the story of a lovely lady here's the story Great to see the Marvel title card back and even greater, Matt, to change up the expectations here goes to black and white and then sparkling symphonic stereo sound as a television set clicks on and a car bearing a just married sign cruises into town driven by the newlywed couple of a regular husband and wife. And we, of course, at this point have the uh, special 50s-esque WandaVision theme by uh, Oscar-winning couple Kristen Anderson Lopez and Robert Lopez as uh, as the car drives by. Uh, Pete, I feel like other shots have given us maybe a little bit more view of the, the town sign and things like that. But we eventually end up in the kitchen of their home where Wanda is putting dishes away using her powers. Uh, Vision bonks his head into a dish. Uh, they start talking about breakfast options, including silver dollar pancakes, etc., etc. And Vision reminds uh, his wife, reminds Nay, the audience, who have been quite some time without these Marvel characters, uh, that of course he does not eat food. Hence the empty refrigerator. Vision asks if there's something special about the August 23rd date. Matt, 823? Uh, there's a heart above today's date. Uh, so what's important about today's date? Vision, of course, remembers everything, but 
about this date can remember nothing. So what is it that it's so special? Uh, they both kind of mutually stammer. It's the first time they have ever celebrated this special day. They'll do so with a, a special evening. The banter, Matt, when you think of the recreation of the 50s sitcom aesthetic and this in and of itself, a, a small miracle, recreating it without it being forced or lame so big big uh props credits to jack schaefer and the creative team here yes and it's come out in the last week yes this was shot in front of a live studio audience uh there's been the addition um uh, the live studio audience info being old but the new edition of it was mostly family and friends so i guess pete that's how nothing leaked out because it wasn't just very scary non-disclosure agreements but it also was hey i'm not gonna you know uh shoot aunt lizzie in the foot by tweeting about this or whatever it might be with that vision is off to work hey don't forget your human face a little bit of animation a little bit of a of a you know special effects moment as he appears less robotic and uh, pete as i call it in my notes he humanifies uh and wanda is still confused about the date yeah, can't forget to change yourself into human form when you're going to work there. But yeah, that 8-23 date, Matt, we will definitely round back into that. Uh, but there's a knock at the door. It's Agnes, played by the tremendous Catherine Hahn here. Uh, their neighbor to the right with a plant her mother-in-law was in town, so of course she was out of town. And again, just another tremendous trope that the show settles into effortlessly. The nosy neighbor and the the cracks on the, the husband, Ralph, and everything there. Yeah, and I mean, Catherine Hahn, so phenomenal. I know also in the last week as part of the, the press buildup, uh, Catherine Hahn had said to The Hollywood Reporter that she apparently was brought in early on in the process and she knew from the get-go what the overall story was. I don't quite yet know how to read that in terms of theories for the character of Agnes, but Catherine Hahn, Catherine Hahn is... Catherine Hahn knows how to play this sitcom character in front of a live studio audience, whether the character of Agnes is real or a plant or from the outside world or whatever... Um, Catherine Hahn, I don't want to suggest at all that she's going, that she's too broad and too big in her comedic motions here, but she's nailing the sitcom, you know, like pause for audience laughter or even the way she speaks to the back of the bleachers, that sort of thing, which I think gives dramatic and, and acting room for, uh, Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany to still act like they are in a sitcom, but not they're not as locked into the world of sitcom which i think is perhaps intentional we're reading that this is their first day in this world um whereas we're getting the sense that for agnes it's not again i don't quite know where to take that theory wise it also is not our theory segment but all of this made possible by Catherine hans you know first 30 seconds on screen everything that will be uh settled back in upon discussed in rather short order how they move in so fast. Oh, yeah, must have been a moving company. We've already seen her move objects with her mind. Single gal? No, but no ring, huh? Put that away to check off later. This special occasion tonight, neither birthday nor holiday. Uh, it's an anniversary. Yeah, yeah, that's the ticket. But it feels like they've always been together, okay? Even with the... Uh, the Ralph uh, beer named June uh, 2nd anniversary crack, okay? Everything comes off without a hitch. Agnes also suggests uh, referencing, perhaps bringing over later, an article, How to Treat Your Husband So You Don't Lose Your Husband. Uh, in fact, she's going to go get it so they can go plan. The story moves to Vision's work, where he's all done. Computational Services, Inc., Indeed, and he's he's done computing all those forms, a little bit of a motion blur as perhaps he forgets to not be so powered in public. Uh, brings it over to the, the co-worker there. Golly, that was fast. 
what is it that they do? They don't make anything. They don't buy or sell anything. Indeed, they they create computational forms. Uh, and we're going to get the inane computational form humor from the boss in a little bit. Yes, his co-worker, Norm. Get it? Okay. Uh, and he calls uh, Vision who they call Vision and not Bob or Steve or anything like that. So, you know, that there's, of course, something fishy to all of this, producing these computational forms of which productivity is up 300% ever since Vision got there. But he's a walking computer? No, no, more like a completely carbon-based employee who is entirely like Norm. So now what's so special about today? There's the reminder that Mr. Hart, the boss, is coming to dinner. Uh, we are told as the last worker who hosted a dinner is on his way out to the uh, the unemployment lines. It's got to have many courses and lots of entertainment. Indeed, how the dinner goes will uh, impact Vision's future with the company. Back home we go, the two gals, Gavin. So no special song, that's okay. Uh, there's plenty of ideas in the magazine. Uh, plenty of ideas indeed. You know, how to keep that man snagged. Like, stumble as you enter the room so your husband can catch you. Uh, Pete, a vision, albeit through the lens of the MCU's lens of this weird reality's lens of the sitcom. Uh, a vision of a time uh, well gone by. Thankfully. And, and that was a thing watching it. Like, you get to play with these ideas but thank god they are no longer the case um you know the the death rate of single men exceeding that of married men because they're they're taken care of but the, the show has something to say about that in a little bit the phone rings and it's vision uh but of course she's got everything under control uh he's nervous a little bit tongue-tied Okay, uh, he just hopes that tonight isn't the end. So, uh, of course, she thinks on the other end of the phone that, you know, their relationship. He, of course, is talking about his job. Okay, you got to impress the wife. You got to impress the husband, the double entendres. And again, the, the product of this storytelling team and the collaborative approach, Kevin Feige, so influential in terms of this sitcom style look at the Marvel Cinematic Universe, key to this type of interaction. Then Pete, fade out for a commercial break, and in that moment of fade out, I was like, oh, ha ha, I get it, you know, especially since so many of us watch these old shows without commercials anymore, whether you're, you know, Hulu, no commercial plan, or you're, you're getting reruns on Netflix or indeed Disney Plus, we're going to fade out and fade right back in. No, no. It's the Toastmate 2000. This machine has some shine. Set the dial and get some uh, taste back in your toast. Uh, as it powers up the sound design here, quietly ominous, it blinks red. Pete, this is the first time all episodes since the you know the the color fade on the marvel studios logo that we are seeing color did you uh, catch the sound reference you know pete it sounded so familiar uh, what uh, actually in my memory uh i want to say uh i want to say uh either ghostbusters trap which is probably the wrong universe or maybe uh tony stark uh arc reactor blast thing that's the noise, the repulsor. So they're very clearly playing around with this idea here. That and tipping into the, well, you know, uh, is your husband tired of you burning his toast? Make your own <laughs> toast, jerk. <laughs> uh, the all-new Toastmate 2000 by Stark Industries. Forget the past, this is your future. Uh, just in case people were saying, it's just a black and white sitcom for 25 minutes. No, no, plunked right in the middle is something to get you sit up and, and theorize. Uh, back we go to the story proper, where it's dinner time at the hearts. Uh, Vision steps away, and Wanda comes down in a, a fuzzy robe, uh, hands around Mr. Hart's face. Pete, the situation misread between the couple. 
Uh, but probably the funniest joke of the entire episode, Vision explains that this is a Sokovian tradition. It's so, so Sokovian. It's great, and they really, really lighten the the awkwardness and the in-world humor to be able to do that. Of course, you know, the, the wife is enchanted. This is exotic. It's European. Because Europe's just so exotic in the 1950s. Uh, and the husband, Hart, uh, he doesn't want to break bread with those Bolsheviks there, Arthur Hart. Uh, so to the kitchen for a moment for our happy couple. Uh, it is not an anniversary that Hart on the calendar for the hearts, a shortcut. But why with their powers would they have done that? And now the boss and his wife expect a home-cooked meal. No chance they're going to settle for a single chocolate-covered strawberry split three ways. So Wanda, with a snap, was a real interesting transition to choose to use into the new outfit and Viz back out with the hearts. Yes, Mr. Hart played by Fred Malamed here on a on a lengthy uh, monologue about horizontal forms versus vertical forms. Uh, indeed, he keeps going as the camera moves to, to vision and whatnot. So uh, Fred Malamed doing some, some heavy lifting of some intentionally boring dialogue. Uh, meanwhile, in the kitchen, Agnes has brought some help, brought some groceries. Of course, as a wife, she would have the particulars for a four-course gourmet meal ready to go at a moment's notice. Uh, it's quite a menu. Got your lobster, your chicken, Pete, even some jellies. Do you make your own jellies? Oh, good. They're going to make their own jellies. She's got to set her own jellies there. Come on. Uh, So with all those courses laid out, recipe cards on the counter, Wanda uses her magic again to get the dishes going. But of course, Mrs. Hart hears the clatter. She goes to open the window from the uh, living room, dining room area into the kitchen. And that's where Vision uh, needs to distract her with yakety yak Chekhov's yakety yak Matt we had gotten that back at computational uh, services Inc and it's a through line for the episode Uh, ultimately with uh, chicken turned into egg and lobsters thrown out the window uh, there's there's increased tension. What will be served? Mrs. Hart is feeling woozy uh, you know needs her needs her dinner Perhaps Mr. Hart says this means vision isn't management material if he can't manage a simple uh, dinner like this. Uh, ultimately, wound up with backs turned. I mean, just classic 50s, particularly 60s, particularly particularly bewitched uh, kind of style here. Uh, backs turned from the table. Wanda magics up breakfast for dinner. How very European. And with that, dinner is saved. Uh, as they're enjoying their breakfast for dinner, Mrs. Hart asks how they met, what brought them here, why don't they have children yet, where did they move from? Uh, yes, they 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 were married, and 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 yes, there's a, a where and a when. Uh, as for their story, it's a simple question: why did they come here? Why? Uh, and all this tension, all these questions, interrupted by Hart starting to choke. But not before he really. Uh gives the idea um, that we're flowing towards is what has led them to this. Uh, Mrs. Hart as well, patience, they're setting up their story. Let them tell it. Talking about our creators here, which is so smartly put in. Uh, But he begins choking and really intentionally blocked and creepily so the stop it stop it the ticking much like the ticking with the toastmate 2000 although no color here okay he falls over and it's wanda who tells vision to help him he reaches in with his ability to phase through matter and removes the food uh but well wouldn't you look at the time yeah, it, this strange moment of stop it, stop it, stop it, and then the flourish of powers followed up by 
this strict return to the sitcom convention, you know, scene over, time to go. There's a callback to the Sokovian hello with a Sokovian goodbye. Uh, Mr. Hart says that he's been made proud tonight. He'll talk about promotion on Monday. So, again, kind of this 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 familiar, you know, wrap up the scene and get out of here, but also this kind of jarring, um, you know, th- this jarring response to some strange things that just happened in terms of, oh, now the scene is over. Uh, no criticism to the story, just pointing out, I think we're meant to be wondering what's going on. Um, the heart's gone. Vision's, Vision's robot face is back. Uh, we get Pete, a line that you may have heard a few times in promotions, that they are the usual couple, you know. No song, no anniversary, no wedding rings. Well, today can be the anniversary. Their song, Yakety Yak, and the rings, Wanda can make them. Ding, she does. And Vision presses the remote, the screen of the TV credits, kind of closing in around them. And we pull out to an old-timey TV, immediately to the left in much more modern settings. There is the sword logo. uh, And then much more modern equipment. There is a woman's hand who has just finished Uh, writing notes in a sword notepad as she clicks the remote so that we can please stand by. What's the deal with this episode? Pete, first theory I have going coming off of that, uh, that, I guess, final scene within the black and white episode or the second to last scene of what we watched it seems that the hearts are not real. Um, that kind of, you know, in retrospect, one can see within the construct of, of uh, let's say, the black and white existence, they're very much uh, helping establish boundaries for Wanda and Vision to live in. Again, I'm not talking narratively, although that is the case with this episode that we watched, but in the world that they're in, the hearts helping establish you know, just the lines of how things are and the way in which they snap back uh, after the the choking there just really gave a sense of robot-like creatures, some kind of synthetic, you know, storytelling gatekeepers that that then just reset and recede uh, off screen. It's going to be interesting as we go to find out, to figure out who's real, who's not. But you're right, I definitely get a sense that they are part of whatever construct, as is probably Norm, you know, Norm. Uh, Norm from Cheers, also the normal <laughs> guy. Um, I th- I'd say add to that, I wasn't quite sure, you know, obviously there's an outside world, there's a non-sitcom world, we've seen that from the from the previews, and it just logically follows that this is, you know, that this is a mystery box of sorts. Um with sword watching there, I mean, I guess the que- the next question, the next theory being who is watching them. I know we certainly have some some proposed outside world characters, um, but what are your thoughts, Pete? Well, I mean, the first that comes to mind is could it be Agnes? Hence the nosy neighbor wanting to to be involved, uh, to to pry, taking the notes down. Uh, might be the first one. We know of some other coming cameos. I don't want to necessarily spoil for anybody, so I will hold off there. If you want to go to IMDb and see who else is formally cast, uh, might might be a, a way to go. Could just be a, a female note-taker. Could, could be nobody of consequence. But, Matt, I'll say this. This is not your comics sword. Uh, so I've heard rumor wise, I I will mention Pete and, you know, for, for new listeners, we tend to roll spoiler free in terms of our presentation. Uh, an added wrinkle to that is many people listening to this have already seen the next episode because the first two episodes dropped, but, but we're maintaining that nonetheless, just for, for, I don't know, fantastic geek continuity, I suppose. Nonetheless, the credit, uh, pardon me, not the credits, the previews have shown, uh, of course, that there's uh, Kat Dennings has returned to the MCU playing Darcy Lewis. So uh, uh, maybe I'm completely right or completely wrong after the viewing of the next episode. But 
I think it's I think it's not spoilery to say we know Kat Dennings is in this show at some point. Perhaps it's Darcy's hand taking those notes. Entirely possible, but just have to talk about it to this point. So, Pete, this notion that they are being observed, watched, monitored, I'm not quite sure what the most appropriate word is. If they're being monitored as opposed to like spied upon if they're being monitored is this possibly a prison of sorts is 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 a sword acting as a you know acting as a gatekeeper for me it comes to vision's job about the computation and the productivity there there's something going on there um remember too so we don't know when this slides into the MCU continuity? Is this pre-Thanos snap? Is it post? All money would seem to be on post. The only problem is the last time we saw Vision with the Mind Stone, it was plucked out of his forehead after he had been reconstructed via Thanos' use of the Time Stone. So, did he get it back somehow? We know that Captain America at the end of um, Avengers Endgame went back and put all the stones where they needed to be. Some news in the past couple days about uh, Chris Evans' potential return to the MCU making headlines. Deadline had it, uh, yet he ran it through his Twitter and said, sounds like news to me. So is he being coy or is this really the case? However... His job figures prominently. Obviously, Wanda is, you know, dating back to her time in Sokovia volunteering for these experiments. She is somebody that S.W.O.R.D. Uh, would want to keep an eye on. And Pete, I, I know uh, you had suggested, and I've seen other, even even though I've tried to look away from spoilers, um, I know that it's, we, how about this way, Pete? I can say neutrally, we can expect the possibility that just like the S.H.I.E.L.D. acronym was reworked for the MCU in 2008, perhaps the S.W.O.R.D. acronym has been reworked as well. Uh, for reference, I can tell you definitively it has. For reference to our listeners uh, in the comics, S.W.O.R.D. stands for a Sentient World Observation and Response Department. So perhaps in that acronym, a... Uh, a suggestion of something otherworldly going on. Um, Pete, I'm tempted to have changes. One word changes in the in the acronym as it is now. I, I'll, Pete, I would love to know more, but I I must be hashtag spoiler free or at least as spoiler free as possible. So uh, I look forward to more confirmation of things uh, in in future episodes. But what theories do you have sloshing around there in your in your master brain? The first with the uh, the credit song, and you know, as lovely and as effervescent as this is, it's it's not so much a, a theory; it's some disappointment. So. They were going to have uh, Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany sing at least one of the credit titles, and they could never make that happen, obviously, because of the uh, COVID-19 crisis. So as I'm watching the the credit sequence and thinking, oh, it would have been great if they got to sing at least one of these, we're not going to get one. I think in in the body of the episode that we had, to me it worked. Again, just thinking of kind of sitcoms of the era, or indeed most sitcoms, you you tend to have you tend not to have the characters like singing it on camera, that sort of thing. So to me, it's not it's not something that's missing as much as uh, honestly, I kind of prefer it the way it is now. So the date eight and twenty three. I'm I'm telling a guy who got his cut his teeth in podcasting on lost here yeah i mean we have some of the lost numbers there beyond it though i don't quite know what to make i mean maybe head writer jack schaefer is a big lost fan um maybe you know uh marvel executive producer victoria alonzo snuck that in as a as a as a little tip of the hat that said I mean, I don't know. Like, like, is it a direct reference to the series? Is it just a cute little thing? Certainly, we have a mystery box show here. That much is clear. Uh, we have 
um, characters that are trapped in an island or a hatch of, of a different type and, and whose boundaries we don't quite understand. But I don't know. Do you have more? Do you have more theorizing than that, Pete? On the on the number, I don't. But I, I thought it was interesting of all the things they chose to go with. We know, too, that Falcon and the Winter Soldier was originally slotted for August. So you wonder, is there some possible significance there? Um, and then the seeming forgetfulness that they both have. Have their memories been wiped? Is there some kind of block in place to create that effect? It does. It does. How do I put this? It'll be interesting to try and somehow backwards chart as we get to the end of uh, April to, to try and say, is there anything at the end of Falcon and the Winter Soldier that might have lent itself towards, you know, like, you know, the the secret scene to then bounce us to WandaVision. And now, of course, forever and ever, it's not going to be viewed. Uh, it's not going to be viewed chronologically that way. Could you still have Wanda show up at the end of Falcon and the Winter Soldier as some sort of um, narrative baton pass, if not chronological. I, I don't know, but like the Marvel secret scenes tend not to work in a way that's backwards. It tends to either be a funny throwaway, or it's the you know, or it's part of the next story, part of the next movie. So, you know, I guess <laughs> Pete, that'll be a mystery several months in the making. Because of the way that the episode unfolds, they clearly had not actually been married at the beginning. So the the rings cementing it at the end and the way that the rings figure interlocked, intertwined, infinity-esque, you know, not knowing where one begins or ends in the credits makes that appropriate here. Um, but... You know, you, you look at the other things as far as their relationship, the, the reference that, you know, seems like we've always been together. I mean, as we sit and record this podcast in uh, January of 2021, Matt, to think that Wanda dates back to the end of uh, the end credit scene in uh, Captain America uh, Winter Soldier back in uh, 2014 when the MCU and the TV side still very, very firmly, uh, it's all connected. Indeed, Pete, such a distance between those two uh, divisions of Marvel that uh, as Jeff Loeb was helping oversee the first season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., he had no idea that S.H.I.E.L.D. would be taken apart from the inside uh, as as Winter Soldier slowly unfolded and whatnot. Bottom line being, among other things, this is an episode to establish a closeness of what you see on, or not even a closeness, to, to, to eliminate the line between Marvel things on television and Marvel things at the movies. What I think is interesting about this episode as a construction is I could see fans who are very used to sitting down to the latest Marvel movie, which tends not to be super challenging in terms of theories and get done with this and go well that was dumb it's just a sitcom and perhaps missing some of the more clue-like elements for example pete in civil war by the end of the civil war there's no civil war they're friends again you know or they're, they're not quite friends but you know what i'm saying is is the civil war is over at the end of civil war here clearly things are are up in the air and i think it's a super smart move like i can't wait for this podcast to be over so I can then watch the next episode. And I feel that it's this, it's this joy that I get to this week because the mystery is propelling me forward. But I think it's perhaps it's a prudent production move. It's a prudent Disney plus move to put two out there, regardless of whether the next episode kind of like very much advances the mystery or not. Still, it's going to be more time spent marinating in the mystery and, and more sense of, okay, so I should feel mysterious, not, uh, I, don't, I don't get it, it's just a sitcom. This Toastmate 2000 made to look like it's a face, at least the side that uh, faces us with the dials, the, the bottom part, the move to color and the ticking 
What do you think is going on there? I mean, I'll go with the most literal. There's ticking, ticking suggests perhaps some kind of countdown. Is that too direct? Do we get the ticking being revealed as, you know, the, and I'll, I'll kind of go, you know, terrible writer's room here, but, you know, is it actually the ticking of the laser fence resetting or the recharging of the hollow gases that make things appear as they are? You know, is it that sort of thing in terms of, um, you know, we're meant to think ticking clock instead it's going to be something a bit more complex and Machiavellian in terms of their their proposed imprisonment. The ticking with the heart couple and the Stepford nature of the entire existence here, I got to wonder too, is there a limited amount of time if Wanda, Vision are there against their will before they realize what's going on? Well, and certainly we have um, we have as part of the premise, although if they bend the premise, I don't think anyone will feel that they've been cheated, but we have as part of the premise that we're going to get, you know, we got the 50s this week, there's going to be the 60s next week, then the 70s, you know, and so forth. So on the one hand, now that we officially in the last 10 days know that there's nine episodes, not six, uh, on the one hand, we are going to run out of decades before episodes so what does that do in terms of you know it is the last is the last hour of this show the last 90 minutes of this show is it full-on you know no 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 cutesy you know stuff on wire no black and white no oh boy we had to recolor vision because in black and white the red looks you know the wrong color or whatnot like is it just full-on movie movie for the last several episodes i think there's that very strong possibility and if we have a countdown to that switch and to the breakdown of, of, for lack of a better word, what I'll continue to term as this, this prison or this reality, I'll just stick with prison as shorthand for whatever is going on. Um, I would expect that countdown to be not in the end of the final episode where somebody says, and you were in the snow globe all along. It was a dream. The end. Did you catch the name of the wine? I did not. What was the name of the wine? Maison du Mepri, so House of M. Ah, well, I mean, that's... I know I saw something in passing. Um, uh, in fact, here's what the Wikipedia page says right now. Again, this is without me having seen the next episode, let alone... I know, Pete, there's, there's press folk like you who have seen the first three. Nonetheless, I expect this to be a mystery that's dragged out for a bit, but, you know... The non-sitcom storyline was criticized by some as not being original. Okay, first of all, um, it's comic TV and movies. None of this is wholly original. Like, what? They got a guy to play to, to, to play Green Arrow on a TV? That's not original, you know, because Green Arrow was original. Oh, except for Robin Hood, you know. So... The, the notion, the, the, I think the hope, anybody who's familiar with the House of M storyline, which in broad strokes could match up to this, but in specificity, i.e. Wanda wishes away all the mutants in the House of M comic book storyline, this now a world with no mutants. It's fun knowing that this that this might be playing with House of M because there's whole portions of it that don't match up the current mcu so whether they're doing the same whether they're doing homage whether they're doing the complete opposite whether at the end of it maybe wanda wishes mutants into the world um regardless it's all super fun and and wikipedia i reject thee for saying it's not original i mean these are all tales you know kevin feige has said it over and over there's all these comic stories some are good some are bad some were great twists some were misfires and it's already been played out all these options have been played out in some form or another in the comics to give you an optimal mix that you can then riff on for your version in tv and movies and make that the best mcu version you can matt some people we've already heard from and some of the chatter first episode this does carry over a little bit with the second episode in terms of the run times and the percentage that is non-narrative. I'm talking about the credits because we've never been conditioned before in the Marvel Cinematic Universe when it comes to credits, right? Well, okay, I, uh, 
insert sound effect if one existed for the rolling of eyes. Was it a little strange when I watched this episode in the wee hours this morning? Was it a bit strange to, uh, first of all, the, the, the narrative is over in terms of the black and white credits start. Then you pull out, ooh, there's more story. I mean, I knew there was a world out there. Ooh, there's more story. Then, unsurprisingly, go to the actual real credits that look like a Marvel movie, right? Because that, P.S., that's the whole intention. Even though right. they're starting with 60, 70-year-old TV techniques, you're meant to say this was an awesome half hour of a Marvel movie, and I'm going to pause for today, and I'm going to continue tomorrow, the way sometimes you might rewatch Iron Man 2, and pause it, and then come back to it later. Um, but when I looked at the time and said, there's seven minutes left, I said, oh, I know, it's Marvel, wink, wink, watch the credits all the way through, there's all the flashy, you know, kind of, not quite TV too, but, you know, TV screen, LCD crystal stuff, I get it, wink, wink, uh, something's coming, and then they get to, like, the normal black and white credits, I'm like, okay, because you got to stay all the way to the end, you know, Avenger Initiative, right? Then they get to the, what we've learned on Mandalorian is after the end when it's, uh, you know, Spanish dubbing, Italian dubbing, uh, Portuguese dubbing, Portuguese Brazil dubbing. And that's when you go, oh, no, it's over. It's over. So ratio of credits to the episode, I mean, the credits make up, I think, a quarter of the runtime of this file. Yeah. Um to me, that is what that is. It's a little unfortunate. I, I'm going to still scan all the credits all the way to the end because I don't want to be laying down on, you know, and then Magneto appeared, and it's the most amazing <laughs> thing since Boba Fett appeared, or, you know, Baby you could Yoda just, You could just pull the cursor through and make sure there's no other images that, that come up, but you'd, you'd be missing it as well. I missed the first ever Star Wars uh, credit sequence, uh, post-credit sequence, because we'd not been conditioned for that at the end of uh, Mandalorian Season 2. There is a way to de-emphasize this. I'm not saying they need to do it, but it it seems to be one of the most talked about things already with Disney+. Plus. Yeah, I mean, refresh my memory, Pete. When watch, I mean, obviously we all watched on Disney Plus. Hopefully, there's no pirates out there. But at what point did the play next episode uh, button image, whatever you want to call it, at what point did that appear in the credits? Once the Marvel style film credits had ended, so uh, I began tracking the file. There's seven plus minutes of credits in this file, uh, and then uh, there are five minutes five and a half minutes of credits after the animatic Marvel credits end. That's a long time. And briefly into that, the next episode would pop up. So, I mean, it's a little, it's a little frustrating that Disney has gone with the style between Mandalorian and now this, where you need to sit through, I don't know what the, the best term is, you know, the, the, the flashy credits, the swirly credits, the, the big boy and girl credits. Um, I know with Mandalorian, it would be perpetually like, hey, I'm going back to, let, let me go check episode three out again. I'd click on it and it wouldn't have reset because I still was, I still had, you know, I had not reached the point where it said, would you like to go to the next episode? And if you click away, it then intuits, let me quote-unquote rewind it to the beginning of the episode. That's a little annoying, but again, you want to make me sit through the swirly credits uh, other than, you know, say, fast forward or whatever it might be. Okay, fine. If that's the house style, uh, house of mouse, not house of M. Uh, if that's the house style, so be it. I guess I'm more, I'm more focused on on the quality within the actual runtime of the episode and I'm, I'm less concerned about the ratio because I get it there's a ton of people who worked very very hard to make this episode and all the episodes happen in terms of you know physical production and effects and sound and all of that so I think it is what it is when you get a prestige series even one that's going to weigh in at 25 or so minutes of actual story Everybody knows your name. 
All right, Pete, last call for some of the listener thoughts about this episode. I had put it out there on Twitter. Again, trying to thread this line of share your thoughts for 101, but how many people are going to watch the whole you know, 101 and 102, and indeed, Pete, the the evergreen Ian Knight that's at Zort70 on Twitter said, watch both episodes. At this stage, I have no idea what to think other than it might be the slowest onion peel story ever. There's <laughs> enough to make me want to analyze the clues and hints, uh, though, so I will definitely be watching more episodes. We heard from the ever-wise Noel Gardner that's at Noel Camille. Uh, there's so much to unpack in the first two episodes. I'm intrigued by all of it. Dottie had me going deep into speculation. And certainly, Pete, our our, our best attempt here at some uh, at some speculation here. We heard from Spider-Ham Lincoln. That's at TessLC139. Just watched episodes one and two. Great to have new Marvel content again. I like the show and the mysteries it's setting up. Uh, like who's on the radio and what's up with the beekeeper both leads are killing it i'm confident wandavision will generate huge buzz um moving on to boldly going wherever that's at kcleyle one loved it something that's completely original at least to me little hints dropped while letting you enjoy the sitcom setting is so entertaining really looking forward to the rest of the series um uh, the end of Ep 2 seemed to suggest a breaking point. No spoilers, but previews show more sitcom hijinks. Can't wait. Looking forward to the podcast. Pete, what do you have over there on your side of the bar? On Facebook, Matt Steve Adams writes into the Fantastic Geek Facebook page. Episode 1 of WandaVision was fantastic. The black and white logo, the old aspect ratio, the classic sitcom jokes and tropes. It was all pitch perfect. Even the red light on the toaster in the commercial was great. The slogan from the commercial seemed to have a double meaning. I'm really pleased with the start of this show. I can't wait for more. This show looks like it will be truly fantastic. And he spelled it with the PH there, Matt. Good stuff. I think I think that uh, that message and some of the ones from Twitter are reminding us of a couple of things. First of all, have there been moments of great aspiration and inspiration from Marvel Studios? Absolutely. Black Panther, Captain Marvel coming to mind. Um, the general Marvel Studios brand is one of inclusion and entertainment. And I think that for people who were maybe waiting for the greatest mystery of all time, it's going to be up there with Twin Peaks Season 1 and, you know, and so on and so forth. That's just not the Marvel brand. Yes, we have an interesting mystery here. Yes, we have more questions and answers. Yes, we're going to tune in next time and next week to get those answers. But we can also just sit back and go, there were some funny jokes. There was some familiar haha that wasn't the funniest thing ever, but that was just a, a, a brief relaxation in this crazy world. Yeah, because we don't need any kind of comfort with our TV, with a, a larger story looming underneath at all also on facebook matt we would be remiss if the grand dom of uh marvel cinematic universe film and tv i'm talking about mary kirk aka lmd mary on twitter give her a follow okay didn't get a couple words in uh her first reaction i'm in love all caps i am a hundred percent in for this form of storytelling from Marvel. Yeah, I mean, an enthusiastic take there, and it's just nice to have Marvel back. It's nice to have these familiar characters back, albeit in an unfamiliar situation, and it's just, it's it's with the added bonus of this new way of doing it, episodic. I mean, the movies are episodic to a point, but as I said before, you know, at the end of Doctor Strange 1, what do you get? He's Doctor Strange now. With this, I don't know what to expect. You know, beyond little mentions here and there, you know, and beyond notion that the the sitcom aesthetic will continue for some time, I don't know what to expect week to week. As opposed to, I know they got a Doctor Strange by the end of this one because he's going to be in the next one, etc. And over on Apple Podcasts, Matt, we have been left a new review by 084, longtime listener here. The headline is, listen to these guys, exclamation point, five-star review. And it reads, 
I'm very excited for WandaVision to start, not only because it means I get to watch it, but also I get to hear the coverage on it. Matt and Pete leave no stone unturned when it comes to story structure. So if you like getting a peek behind the curtain when it comes to a storytelling perspective, this is the place for you. Listening to their other podcasts has helped me as a writer figure out what to do and definitely what not to do when crafting my own stories. And I'm sure they'll continue to do so here. Happy podcasting. Until next time. Pete, we'll, we will do our best to break this one apart. This this clearly meant to be a tough nut to crack, but we will do our best and certainly uh, honored to have uh, been been visited uh, via review uh, by 084. Pete, now that we are back in the Marvel Universe, uh, this massive run ahead of us, WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki, and beyond, our thanks, as always, to those who support us on Patreon.com slash FantasticGeek, keeping us going even as they operate from the shadows with their clicky boxes. <laughs> and the real idea here is what value do you place on our podcast you head over to patreon.com slash fantastic geek just a dollar gets you in that door uh helps us do what we do bring it to you all sorts of levels to contribute to past that and really does help us in terms of everything that we're able to bring to our listeners with that, Pete, how can people be in touch with you to share their theories as to where Wanda and Vision actually are? How can people talk to you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, -E 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 11,758 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But maybe there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek. All one word with the P and the H like it today. If you're here for our WandaVision coverage, we'll be back on Sunday talking episode 102. Uh, if you're new to us, we also put all our stuff together in our pop culture podcast feed. And Pete, that is going to be Marvel heavy for uh, for the foreseeable future. But we still have one more trip with the Star Trek doing a Star Trek Discovery Season 3 wrap this weekend as well. So uh, all our Star Trek fans looking forward to that as well. For now, though, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. Well done, us. I Love Lucy is a Desi Lou production. Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz will be back next week at this same time.